This is The Cat. You're listening to Business Brunch, and today we're talking to the director of a, a local company delivering crucial training and support to the business world. Apple Safety Services Limited is now a well-established company in its 10th year, placing customer service at the heart of the business. In the hot seat today, we're pleased to welcome Michelle Carter. Michelle, welcome to The Cat. Hi Des, thanks for having me today. Michelle, uh, prior to starting Apple Safety Services, you gained valuable experience in customer-facing jobs. Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, my very first job, Des, was working on the deli counter um, at the old Safeways. If anybody still remembers Safeways, that's showing my age now, isn't it? I do. Uh, (laughs) Your (laughs) Honour. (laughs) So that was a very customer-facing role um, and something I really, really enjoyed doing. I loved the interaction with people. Um, I loved the day-to-day conversations that we would have. I loved being able to advise which would be the best cheese to go with this and which would be the best ham to go with this etc and um, yeah I found it very very enjoyable Um, so I was only doing that part time whilst um, I was doing my A levels but then um, I was fortunate enough to um, start with an electronics company and started in customer service and moved up into um, different uh, sales roles um, and engineering roles which again uh, were very customer facing and I realised I had a love of interacting with people, um, supplying and delivering a good quality product, the excitement I would get from a new contract, from getting a new customer. Um, it was a buzz like you wouldn't believe. Um, it was definitely where I wanted to go um, and I'm very fortunate to say I'm still working in a customer-facing role. So what would you rather do? Would you rather be customer service which is after sales or or would you rather be in a selling role well pretty much i do all of that you do all of it anyway i do all of that anyway so we look after our own individual customers so i will do the sales side of it i will go and train it i will do the admin side of it um, and i'll even chase the invoice (laughs) so well, you've got to get paid for what you do, haven't you? Well, yes, Let's be fair. Not, not just for the love of the job, Des. No. <laughs> so you took all these transferable skills, um, particularly in regard to customer service and sales, and you started your own business. So when you started it, you tried to be all things to all people. Um, tell us why this didn't work and how you refined your offering. Yes, I think it was obviously something very new for us we were going into. Um, We wanted to obviously create a a customer base as quickly as we possibly could. So really, instead of sitting there and thinking, is this business going to be good for us? Um, We were pretty much taking anything and everything which came our way. Um, And sometimes to the detriment of ourselves, because it was taking a lot of time. There were areas where weren't really our areas of expertise. We didn't really know a lot about. So that took us a lot of time. We were either having to retrain or we were having to spend hours and hours um, looking into different legislations, um, different industries, etc. Not really where we should have been focusing. That was distracting you from the core. Exactly, distracting from where we should have been focusing our efforts, really. But we didn't want to let anybody down. 
and we didn't want to say no to anybody. We knew that when people were getting in contact with us, they needed help and we wanted to help them. Yeah. Not that we've ever said no and we would never say no to anybody anyway, but now we actually, more of a focus way, we sort of guide them in the right direction and then let them find out the information themselves and remain focused and clear on the road that we want to go down. And you find that works better for you? Far better, far better. Okay, well, that's good advice. I'm going to take you back 10 years now, so it's <laughs> going to be in the foggy past, <laughs> Michelle. Very foggy. <laughs> uh, so looking back 10 years, you, you decide to start a new business, and a new business requires funding, a lot of planning, but most importantly, this leap of faith because people leave jobs to start businesses, you know, and so they, they interrupt their income stream. Tell us how you got your business off the ground uh, and how you generated your first customer. Oh, right. OK, well, it was initially um, Stephen um, who started working on Apple um, with regards to the health and safety consultancy side of the business um, and the food legislation side of the business. And really, the customers that we initially got were just from making phone calls. So we joined the South Cheshire Chamber, which was a really good platform for us. We met and were introduced with a lot of companies via um, being members of the Chamber. But as I say, mainly phone calls. We advertised in the likes of the Lynx magazines. We don't market ourselves a lot, but when we do advertise, we still use um, the Lynx magazines. Uh, Marion and Tony are absolutely fantastic. Um, they make it very easy um, to deal with them and they take a lot of pressure off us. We also have used The Guardian, um, different paper platforms. Uh, we did leafleting, but we actually found found that the most productive for us, um, the best marketing strategy for us, was actually the Chamber Portal, the Lynx magazines, and actually making phone calls to customers. And that's where we really got our first break. So we started doing a lot of the paediatric first aid for childcare settings and nurseries, and that was literally based on phone calls. Uh, with regards to the food safety courses that we deliver, um, the Chamber very kindly uh, let us use their premises so we could deliver a lot of the courses locally in Nantwich, and that's where the business started to grow. So that was a good break for you, wasn't it? Yeah, it was It was brilliant, yeah. It was... We've been very fortunate to be supported by a lot of other businesses locally um, and I think that's I think that really is quite apparent in this area where we are in the crew in Nantwich area and when you are a member of someone like the South Cheshire Chamber that there is a very community a business community a strong business community which is trying to assist each other which is great exactly what you need and you generated your first customer through advertising yeah through through advertising yeah so it was um our very first um large customer on the food safety uh scale um was a hotelier company a hospitality company called handpicked hotels um who we still work with to this day uh delivering all their food safety qualifications wonderful company to work for 
on the food industry um, side, we were very fortunate um, to come into contact with Rights. Um, Rights are um, a wonderful client to deal with. Again, very flexible, very easy to deal with. We deliver a lot of their food safety courses. We've delivered a lot of first aid for them. Rights have a very strong belief in a positive food safety culture and a positive first aid culture. Absolutely fantastic company to work with, especially when the companies that you're working with have these positive cultures in place, which make a significant difference to their employees, to the brand, to us as trainers. Um, so yes, we've We've been very fortunate along the way. Sounds like a dream customer. <laughs> they, they pretty much are. <laughs> You're listening to Business Brunch, and today's guest is Michelle Carter from Apple Safety Services Limited. Michelle, a large part of uh, your business is safety training. Uh, well, I suppose a clue's in the name, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a giveaway. <laughs> so tell us about this uh, and how it's developed over the last few years. Well, really, the core of the business has developed quite organically um, from our strong customer base um, and particularly our region. Whereas we started, as we've spoke about, offering everything to everyone, we were a lot more focused now uh, with regards to the type of business that we deliver, um, the type of product offering that we're taking to the market. Um, we were so conscious of becoming too diluted by trying to cover the entire health and safety spectrum, which is obviously huge, as I'm sure you can appreciate. So we decided to take the lead from our customers. Um, what were our customers asking for? And really went from there. Our two main focus areas are food safety and first aid, um, as you already know. We take these two um, focus areas extremely seriously. They are very current at the moment um, with what we see. There are going to be a lot of inroads this year with regards to first aid. Um, one of those significant changes this year is that finally trials are going to begin in September this year uh, to include first aid classes in the national curriculum. Based on the feedback, the classes will hopefully be made compulsory by September 2021 um, and I'm sure they will get exceptional feedback from that. The reason that we need more first aid training, more first aid awareness, is because every year 140,000 people approximately die from injuries or a sudden illness who could have survived with effective first aid. That's a huge number of people. It's a huge number and the important word there, Des, is effective, okay? Because it's not a case of something is better than nothing. We need to know how to be given effective first aid. A pl great platform for this would be your TV programmes. But unfortunately, when you see first aid nine times out of ten on the TV, it's not true to reality. And the skills that they're actually showing on the TV programmes aren't actually the skills that you would require to deal with a medical emergency. Um, in Wales and Ireland, first aid has been part of their curriculum and compulsory um, for a long time now, but not in England and Scotland. We find in other countries where first aid is compulsory in schools that their success of survival is literally one in two. Correct. And ours is one in ten. 
So, so yeah. it makes a big difference then. Absolutely makes a massive difference. The other thing that we find as well by starting to train first aid so young is that children don't tend to have the bystander effect like adults do. When adults see an emergency, they sort of step back and, oh, is somebody else going to do something? Should I get involved? Do I really know what to do? Whereas children tend to have more confidence in their skills and will go straight in and try and help. There's plenty of things people can be doing at home as well to raise awareness of first aid. So parents can be um, making, putting together emergency plans for their children. Do their children know how to use the ICE contact on their phone? which is obviously an abbreviation of the emergency services information that you can pull up on your phone. Right. Um, a lot of people don't realise that even if your phone is locked by a PIN code or if it's locked by a thumbprint, it doesn't matter. You can still make an emergency call from it and you can still find out your medical information. Absolutely critical, obviously, if something happens to a parent and they're left alone with their children. It's a very useful tool. Paramedics love it and it's something very simple that parents can be doing in the home. Um, this year as well, we have started running out um, blended paediatric first aid. So this is mainly to people within the childcare industry. Um, we're finding that this is such a great success. It's totally Ofsted approved and what it means is that people can actually um, learn paediatric first aid by two platforms now. One of those platforms is digitally online where they can go through the theory side of the subject and then one day practically in a classroom with a trainer. Whereas they used to have to give up two days which would usually be Saturdays. And as you can imagine, Des, not everybody wants to give up their weekends no, to learn don't. first aid. Understandably so. <laughs> I, I might do. I don't understand it myself. <laughs> or to give up several evenings to do it as well. So, you know, they work all week. It's not something they look forward to, you know, spending time to do. They want to spend family time, um, in all fairness. They don't want to come to another course. So now they can break it down into two. On the online platform, they can take all the time in the world to actually do it at home and the comfort of their own home. They can pause it, go back to it, do whatever they want to do with it, rather than having to sit there for six hours and listen to a trainer wax lyrical. Um, then, as I say, they come and do the classroom part and we can sign them off. It's all Ofsted approved and we've got all child carers out there with really strong first aid knowledge. Sounds comprehensive. <laughs> it is quite in depth. Um, on the food safety side, um, we already offer consultancy services in some of the more specialist areas, such as the HACCP, um, TASAP and VASAP areas. We're aiming to increase our visibility in this area massively this year. We've also started to digitalise um, aspects of this as well which we will see more inroads as this year progresses we've taken on um, another trainer 
um, who has worked within the food manufacturing industry for over 25 years and has got quite significant experience um, in the likes of root cause analysis courses, lead auditor courses, international manufacturing. So we're looking to diversify there as well. But still, with everything that we're seeing, we're still maintaining our focus on our two key areas. And just briefly, because of all the, the, the critical mass of the business is giving advice and you need to stay ahead of the game, don't you? Yes, So yes, with absolutely. your CPDs, just briefly tell us how you ensure that you're, you're equipped to deliver all this information. Well, we're regulated, like so many people are, um, by awarding organisations ourselves. We don't tend to get involved in external generic awards, mainly because we don't have the time. But as an approved training centre um, to a number of large awarding organisations, which is quite an accolade in itself, we have to in- ensure that we are currently re- constantly retraining. We get assessed on a yearly basis by all the different organisations to ensure that the information that we're giving is current, correct and that we're training correctly. People are engaging in the courses, they're actually learning what we're teaching them and going away with something which not only we would like to think would enhance their career, but something that they've gone away with and really engaged with, really enjoyed and want to put it in practice. Exactly. It makes them a useful member of the team, doesn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. Michelle... Uh, Why do you think your customers choose Apple Safety Services above your competitors? Uh, And how do you continue to, uh, on the back of that, build your customer base? I do believe, Des, because we are more focused now. Um, There are plenty of generic health and safety consultants training companies out there which offer a, a massive spectrum of all singing, all dancing to all different industries, the construction industry, the food industry, the education industry, um, I could go on. But we are predominantly focused on the care industries and the food industry. That's our target areas. Now, I think this gives the uh, customers the confidence that we're not over-diluted, that we are actually focused and very strategic with the product offering that we have. With regards to competition, um, there's always going to be competition out there, but we do find that we are in a very affordable value for money solution for anybody's compliance within those particular industries. We're extremely flexible. We train, wait for it, seven days a week. Whoa. <laughs> we are You're training people on a Sunday as well. <laughs> Absolutely. There is no rest for the wicked, Des, isn't that what they say? We train from seven in the morning till nine o'clock at night. This predominantly is so we can fit in with shift patterns. We realise there is a necessity for our customers. They can't always fit training in on a nine to five basis. It doesn't work. It doesn't fit for the business. So we have to make sure that we're available when our customers need us. And we pretty much are. Brilliant. So how how do you build your customer? How do you reach out to new business? Uh, To new business, um, we have quite a lot of organic growth, to be truthful. The two industries that we uh, mainly focus on, um, as I've said, the care industry and the food industry, are very incestuous. 
So there's a lot of transferal of staff. Uh, people get up, move to another company, um, come back again, etc. And a lot of the time, uh, very fortunately, take us with them. So it's opening doors in other companies that we might not have been able to get into. Um, there's a lot of word of mouth in our industry. Um, and fortunately, we pick up business from that as well. And a lot of recommendations. So other trainers that we might have used, um, other contractors that we might have used, they actually put our names forward as well and say, if you want to work with us, then if you contact Apple, Apple will be able to help. Um, and we get exceptionally good feedback off that. So fortunately, as I say, we haven't, we don't have to have a massive marketing stra strategy um, because we do get quite a lot of organic growth. So get it right, and you've got plenty of referrals. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, you've embraced automation and cloud-based systems. So, and and I know you might, your brain might go a bit foggy now. We're talking about IT because that's not your area. But <laughs> tell us how you use technology to uh, maximise the benefits and deliver a polished service to your customers. Well, we have a fantastic IT consultancy firm that we work with. They're based in Oxford, but obviously that doesn't matter because it's all IT and it's all in the ether anyway. Um, they're called Web Boutiques. Um, they drag us kicking and screaming into the next new thing and advise us what our platform should be doing and um, how we need to market ourselves, etc. And we go with the flow. Um, we work in partnership with a lot of emerging food safety technology companies which are bringing new products to the market all the time. It's actually a very exciting time now for emerging trends in the food safety businesses um, and this allows us to work with a broad spectrum of new technologies including things such as validation sprays, food safety digitalisation platforms to mention just a couple. Um, on the first aid side of things as we've already discussed uh, we've taken some of the theoretical elements out and are offering them on an online platform this just helps to make access and engagement with some vitally core material so much sim simpler for our customers and delegates to get their hands on um, so we're always trying to move forward yeah. as I say we're just very very fortunate that we've got a great IT company that supports us so there you go. If you don't know anything about IT, find somebody that does. Exactly. <laughs> Today we're talking to Michelle Carter from Apple Safety Services Limited. Michelle, just remind us what you have planned for the future to ensure that your business continues to grow. Well, we all wish we had that crystal ball, don't we, Des? But uh, we're still going to re retain our focus on our two main areas. Um, as I say, we don't want to dilute ourselves. We want to make sure that our product offering um, remains of the exceptionally high quality and standard that it is at already. And we maintain that value for money. We will always be changing and updating um, what we do, um, our product offering, just due to the nature of food safety and first aid, which is always being updated. So I suppose you've got to alter your offering based on regulations. And... Absolutely. Regulations change all the time. Um, skill sets change all the time with regards to uh, statistics. New statistics come out, new products come out. So that changes everything that we do. Um, we've obviously got the consultancy service, which we will be focusing a lot more on um, in the coming years. As I mentioned, 
mentioned, we have taken on a new trainer that has got significant food safety experience within food manufacturing. Um, so we're going to move a lot more down the specialist area of food safety. Again, this will diversify us from our competition and make sure that we maintain a very strong food safety culture with the product that we offer. As I've said, we've already started to digitalise different aspects of the training platforms. And that will continue. That, that will continue yeah. to grow. Yeah. That's going to have to be a natural growth. We all know the way things are going. Everything's becoming more online, more yeah. digitalised. And whether we like it or not, we're just going to have to go with the flow. <laughs> It sounds like you've got it all in hand anyway, Michelle. So um, you, you do a lot of community work, uh, and in particular you support the Zimbabwe Pensioner Support Fund. So you're going to have to tell us a little bit about that and, <laughs> right. and, the, and your other community links. Um, yes, we do a lot of voluntary work offering basic first aid classes to childcare settings for uh, parents, basic first aid skills for scouts and brownie groups. Um, we also do a lot of work raising awareness for meningitis and sepsis. Um, I actually lost my brother to sepsis. Um, so it's obviously very close to home um, and we know quite a lot about it. So we offer free workshops on these particular types of topics. And we've actually been talking to South Cheshire College um, and the Ellesmere Port site about delivering some workshops here to the tutors and the students. With regards to um, Zimbabwe Pensioner Support Fund, uh, Stephen, the, my business partner, is from Zimbabwe, um, so that's obviously extremely close to him. The charity is really for these pensioners their only lifeline of food and medical supplies given that their pensions have been totally wiped out thanks to successive rounds of hyperinflation and we all know about the government in Zimbabwe and everything that's happened there um, so they literally have nothing they have nothing left they live in shacks um, the food that they have is what they can grow they really I can't stress enough how the old people in Zimbabwe are just not taken care of they aren't fortunate enough to have the NHS and pensions and everything that we are very fortunate to have in this country they literally have nothing um, so any if any of the listeners out there are more interested in supporting um, the Zimbabwe Pensioner Support Fund feel free to get in contact with ourselves or they can look it up and go online but even even the simplest of things like stocks tights hand cream things like that anything that, and yeah. anything makes a difference to their lives okay michelle tell our listeners how they can find more information about apple safety services limited Okay, uh, well, as I say, uh, we're available uh, seven days a week from 7am to 9pm. Um, that's if you want to get in contact with us at that time. Um, you can either visit our website, which is www.applesafetyservices.com um, or my email address is sales at applesafetyservices.com. Our business telephone number is 01270 482 325. Excellent. Michelle, thanks very much for coming on The Cap today. Thank you very much for inviting me, Des. This is The Cat.